You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Hey, would you pray with me? And then let's look at uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 together. All right? Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you that Jesus uh, is our King. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. We thank you, though, that it was in humility and servitude that he humbled himself, took on the form of a servant, the very nature of one, and went to the cross and there died. But you, Father, in your infinite power, resurrected him from the dead, and he is alive. He lives forevermore. We thank you that today he is our coming king, and we ask you to help us to have our eyes opened, not only to the beauty of what is coming in time, but to the sacrifice and the cost that was required and exacted so that we may have eternal life and be made right with you. Would you help us today to have our hearts touched by your spirit and by your power as your truth uh, seeps into us and brings change into our lives. Be glorified today. Let me decrease today, Father, um, as I speak and you increase through me. Let Jesus come alive in what we are doing. Bless us in this holy week that you would speak to every one of us in powerful and even dramatic ways. Do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. If you've got a Bible and you want to turn with me, I'm going to be looking uh, at some passages from Luke chapter 19. I'm going to begin reading at verse 29. All right. Luke 19, verse 29. Do you have that for us, Wade? Okay. I'm just going to read through this story, then I'm going to go back and talk about uh, two or three things out of it, okay? As he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, tell him, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. 
Gene Smith is a, a historian, American historian. He writes very often, uh, has written books often about various aspects of America's history. He wrote a book a number of years ago, and the title of the book is When the Cheering Stopped. When the Cheering Stopped. The book is about Woodrow Wilson and about the events that surround World War II. And uh, it was upon the end of, of, excuse me, World War I, it was upon the end of World War I uh, that the people in America were very, very optimistic. They believed that, that the last war had been fought, actually. I mean, they, they fully believed that at the end of World War I, that was it. it. It was done. It was over. And so there was this idea of sort of like the American dream began to come forth. You know, it's, it's, it's a season of peace, a time of peace. The world finally had been made safe. Uh, everybody was, was seeing this as the, the way being paid for democracy and freedom everywhere. And the world was just going to change dramatically. Woodrow Wilson began to travel at that time. Um, and he traveled uh, throughout Europe uh, just after the, the war. And uh, everywhere he went, people cheered him. It was amazing. He was like the, the iconic hero, all right? He was the hero of peace. He was, he was this amazing president who had been a very big part of this war coming to an end. And so all this cheering, everywhere he went, they would, they would, you would see people just, just raving about him and, and, and cheering him on. And that lasted for a, a season, but then uh, all of a sudden that cheering just began to wane. It, it just began to diminish. It actually lasted about a year if you, if you study uh, the history of it all. And, um, and, and so something began to happen, and that is that, that a lot of the, the foreign leaders began to take up their own agendas for their own countries, and, and there was less cooperative effort between the various leaders. And he came back to the home front, and, and on the home front, he met some tremendous opposition in the Senate, um, and uh, he didn't get some of the things passed that he wanted to do. The, the original League of Nations was never ratified under him. Uh, you can go back and study a number of these things and see that, that following then the next election, his party actually lost uh, the election. And, uh, you know, the amazing thing is that like two years earlier, here is Woodrow Wilson, this iconic president who is just, you know, everyone is cheering him, everyone is loving him, he is the man, he is it. And two years later, his party loses, and, and they're out, and uh, nobody is thinking about Woodrow Wilson. Nobody is really caring about Woodrow Wilson. And I think that if you look through history, you're going to find that many, many times this is the kind of scenario that you will find. You will find people who, who maybe are uh, starting out humbly. Uh, they rise to some kind of popularity. Uh, they do something great. And then when it comes to the end of their lives, so to speak, uh, they live it out in a dismal place or are in a place of, of sometimes even humiliation. And I want to put Jesus into that kind of scenario today a little bit, all right? I want to talk about this Jesus as he is riding into Jerusalem. I want to talk about about this son of a carpenter, this, this educated Nazarene, all right? Um, th this one who gained favor with men, this one who is being cheered and, and he's being praised. And, and soon, he, though he will be mocked, he will be scorned, he will be cast aside, and perhaps some of the same ones who are cheering him on in this passage that we're reading about today will be the very ones who will cry out, crucify him. 
crucify him. And what, what a change, what a shift takes place so quickly and so dramatically in the life of Jesus. And so we want to look at this particular first Palm Sunday as Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. And, and there are several things here that I think are for us, all right, that we can pull out and we can make some personal application for our lives today. Here's the thing that David and I have hoped for all along in these, these lessons or these, these sermons, if you will, on the life of Jesus that we've started uh, in, in the, the, the last part of December and, and going up until Easter here is that, that there is something that you can personally just extract. All right, as we unpack this, there's something in there. You find something by the power of the Holy Spirit that you can actually apply to your life and you can say, okay, this fits for me and this makes a difference for my life. And so I hope as we go into next Sunday, all right, as we go through these Holy Week adventures and we go into next Sunday, that you are going to be so dramatically impacted, not by my words, okay, but by the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth that is held in Scripture. This story is powerful. This is the story of the rescuer, all right? It's very, very powerful. And I want it to, to make a difference for you. So I want this morning to... I'm going to attempt to give you a couple of insights, and the goal here is to prepare you for Holy Week, all right? To, to help you to see Jesus in this particular setting today as he is entering into Jerusalem, setting his face towards Jerusalem, getting ready, knowing what he knows, preparing himself. I want you to be prepared as well. I want you to enter into this Holy Week with some preparation and the ability to internalize some of these truths so that they make a difference in your life. They, they dramatically change you and I. So there's two things that, that I think that, that he was aware of as he's entering in, and I want to bring those to you, and then I want us to go into it, okay? And that is this. I think that Jesus knew the conditions surrounding the people there. I think he understood what kind of conditions that they were, were living in. And I think he also understood something deeper, I think he understood the condition of their hearts. You know, I can, I can pretty, pretty well understand or grasp with your help and, and your disclosure, your conditions, those things that surround you, those things that affect you, those things that are coming against you and bombarding you. I and you together, we can kind of discern those things. We can, we can sit down together in, in, a, in a pastoral role. I can help you, and, 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 and you can maybe even already understand some of them yourselves. But you, you know some of the conditions that are around you. The Bible says, oh, the heart is deceitful. Who can know it? Who can, who can really get a hold of their own heart? Our own heart deceives us. It, it fools us. It, it plays tricks on us. It moves us in ways that, that are not accurate according to the circumstances around us. And sometimes we cannot even know the condition of our own heart, much less someone else's. And I, I will sit with someone and, and listen to them share their heart with me as best that they can. And oftentimes I will leave that that time together with someone, and the first thing that I do is I find myself going in, either into this room here in the dark or, or in another room, and I'm just standing there, and, and I just say, God, search my heart. See if there's a wicked way in me that is, is unpleasing to you. Because I realize as people trust me, and as they share their own hearts with me in their own heart condition, I realize how much the heart can take us away from God. 
and how deceitful it can be. And I believe that Jesus understood those circumstances that those people were in in that day under the Roman rule and and all the things that were going on around them and the oppression that was there. But I believe he also understood something much deeper. He understood the condition of their heart. And it was the condition of their heart, not the circumstances that drove him to the cross. And that's what I want you to, to get out of this today, is that Jesus was being driven by something within him. It was pulling at him. It was, it was drawing him towards the cross. And it was not the circumstances. It was not the Roman Empire taking control. It wasn't the oppression of, of, of the women of the day. It wasn't anything like that. It was the reality that we were lost and we need a Savior And Jesus knew that he must be obedient even unto death. And so he set himself towards Jerusalem. And he was going regardless of what it would require of him along the way. Knowing full well he would lay down his life for mankind. And he understood that he could do that because he understood that that was the conditional need of the people's heart. The Jews found themselves under some really heavy Roman oppression. They were heavily taxed. There was all kind of restrictions against them. There, were, there, were, there had been numerous executions by, uh, by crucifixion. Jesus wasn't the first that was crucified in this manner. And there had been many Jews before him that had actually been crucified. That wasn't the, the, the great uniqueness. Some things about the crucifixion and the way it, it, it came about were unique to Jesus, but, but execution by crucifixion was not necessarily unique. And Jesus knew about these things. He, he understood all these things, all right? But he also understands the hearts of the people. Now, here's the heart of the people. They're in search for someone. They're looking for someone. They, they want a king. Pastor Dave has preached a couple of messages on this idea of how much the people wanted a king and done a fabulous job in that that respect. They desired a king. They wanted an icon of hope. They wanted someone who would win the war for them. They wanted someone that would would speak about peace and prosperity and and, and a a national dream. They they wanted someone to set them free. And, And... the amazing thing is that some of these people had actually, maybe all of them, I don't know, but, but certainly a large number of them, they had seen, or at least they had heard about the mighty works of this man, Jesus. They were a witness to him when he restored sight to a blind person. They, they were there when, when he healed someone. They were there when he took the food of a little boy and broke it apart and fed a, a whole multitude of people and, and had leftovers to spare, all right? They heard about him raising Lazarus from the dead. They, they listened to him teach with authority. And they were saying in their hearts, surely, surely, there is, there is power and there is authority in this man. And he is going to do something. He is going to come on the scene and he's going, to, he's going to take over and he is going to deliver us. And so Jesus starts to come into Jerusalem and the people begin to cheer. Hosanna. You know what they were saying? They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God. Save us, save us. It's amazing when we need saving, 
how much we praise. But we don't need saving. <laughs> We're much more complacent, much more satisfied, much more about ourselves. Jesus knew their heart. He also knew their desires. This is, the timing is so amazing, all right? It's almost uncanny. It's approaching the, the Passover feast. This, of course, is that, that very symbolic event where the, the death angel passed over Egypt and Pharaoh let God's children go. And, and now, now, maybe just now, Jesus would somehow lead them from these restraints that they are feeling now in their day, from this cruel treatment and this oppression of the Roman Empire, and that, that all that they're, they're getting from this Roman government, they're going to come out from under it now because Jesus is going to be their king, and he is going to rescue them, and he is going to take care of all of it now. I would be praising him too. Man, I, I would be right there. I would be in the front of the crowd. I would be on the bandwagon. Let me explain a, a, something else that, that was going on there. The Romans understood this, this moment in time well, too, especially the Roman soldiers. No, but no doubt they had been briefed. The Pharisees understood it. They, they knew about it, obviously because they had learned and they'd been taught. But also... They understood because this is, a, this is a time that happens every year and the celebration is year after year and, and, and the Jews are, are adamant and, and disciplined and, and relentless to come and celebrate. And so they converge on the city of Jerusalem in multitudes, if you will, all right? But here's what the Roman soldiers know. They know that in the day of Passover, there are skirmishes, there are revolts, there are violent reactions, there are all kinds of things. The, the, the Roman soldiers had not probably forgotten that just several years earlier, Theodos of Jordan had come through, riding into Jerusalem in a very similar greeting, in a very similar way, and, and they remembered how he promised that he would do the miracles of Elijah. And then getting into Jerusalem, he led a, a fairly large revolt. And I, I don't doubt that they remember because over 400 of his followers were slain in that revolt. And, and Theodos' head was, was, was mounted, if you will, uh, right there in Jerusalem, all right? On the garrison wall, they mounted his head to, to say something. So they knew that Passover could bring trouble. They were no doubt ready. Tensions are in the air. This is a turbulent time. This is a tumultuous time. The Jews don't know what they're going to encounter. The Roman soldiers don't know what they're going to encounter. Everybody is, is, is looking at the Passover and people are being mindful and, and, and it's evoking emotions. God is faithful. God is sending a Messiah. God is sending a Deliverer. Could this be him? And for some, they had already concluded that it was, and they were determined, I'm going to stand with him. I'll, I'll be right there. I'm going to watch him come in as king. I'm going to watch him turn this whole thing around. I'm going to watch him. as He's going to show that Roman government something. We're going to be free. What a great hope. What a great hope. Here's the problem. 
Jesus rode into Jerusalem. They're waving their little branches, took their, their coats off. Maybe they were palm branches like, like these or these you see here. Those are olive trees over there in the, in the corner. Maybe they cut down a branch from a tree just like that and, and laid it down in front of him. It's a red carpet. I'm going to roll it out. Come on, king. You're the man. You're it. I'm in. Count, count me in. Come on. I'm with you. Jesus didn't gather any troops. He didn't lead a revolt. He didn't do what they expected. Instead, he went in and he drove the money changers out of the temple. He paid tribute to Caesar. He taught that giving out of your poverty is worth more than giving out of your abundance. Ooh. He taught that in order to be great, you must be a servant. Ouch. He did everything the people didn't want. And the cheering stopped. It's amazing that when things go our way, <laughs> when God does what we want, when Jesus rises to our cause, when he comes up to the occasion, it is so easy to cheer him. It is so easy to be a person of praise. What happens when you face oppression? What happens when you experience troubles? Too often, the cheering comes to a stop. Words of adoration and praise quickly fade when reality sets in. Sometimes God does give us what we want. But you better believe I believe, I'm convinced, he always gives us what we need. Always. It's, it's just that sometimes you and I experience a little problem. Often our wants and desires blur our vision, our ability to see what the real need is. This is what happened to the crowd. This is what happened to the people that are in the streets cheering on Jesus. There were some things that, that they didn't see. But Jesus did. This passage says that when he came near to the city, something happened. When, when he looked over the city of Jerusalem, before he ever went down into the city, when he looks over the city of Jerusalem, he begins to weep. He begins to cry in that moment. He was overcome with some type of emotion. And he says, he just speaks out apparently because the disciples are able to, to write down what he is thinking. So he must have said these things out of his heart. Jerusalem. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit here. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. If only you had understood, if only you had seen, I, I would have gathered you. If, if you would have let me, I, I, would, have, I would have gathered you like a, like a hen gathers her chicks. Maybe you've never seen that. I, I've seen that. I, my uncle had a farm in South Georgia and they raised chickens. Wasn't a pretty sight, wasn't a pretty smell, but learned a few things. 
Stay away from the roosters. <laughs> Those hens would literally, they could lift their, their little wing. They couldn't fly worth a hoot, but... They could lift that wing, and those little biddies, those little chicks, we used to call them biddies down south, but just get right up in there. Just get right up under there. And it was like she was protecting them. She was covering them. And Jesus says, Jerusalem, I would have done this to you if you'd only understood who was coming to me. I would have, I would have gathered you in. I would have covered you. I would have taken care of you. <clears throat> Why did the cheering stop? First, I think it was because they did not recognize his purpose. He said, you didn't recognize me in the time of my visitation. The word visitation could have two different kinds of meanings here, at least from the English language. Jesus could have meant a, to visit someone, you know, like in the sense of bringing judgment as a visitation, you know, bring, bring a judgment on you, but that doesn't seem to fit the context here at all. The other meaning is something of bringing relief, of bringing deliverance, and that seems to be so much more fitting here. Jesus said, I came to bring I came to relieve you. I came to bring you the relief that you need. Now, here's the thing. This is what I want you to get today. If you don't get anything else, all right? I want you to understand today very clearly why Jesus went to the cross, why he died on the cross of Calvary and was resurrected from the dead, all right? They are standing there in the streets of Jerusalem. They are going into the temple. They are praying. They are burning incense. They are doing everything religiously possible to find relief. They are going through every form and every function they can possibly go through to be relieved, to find comfort, to find peace. And Jesus is out here on this hillside saying, Jerusalem, if you'd have just understood my visitation, what I've come for. But they are so focused on the circumstances that they are in, the oppression that is around them, the heaviness of the Roman government, all the things that are going on there now. And they want this deliverance so bad, and they're going so hard after it religiously, and they're trying so hard to get it. And yet, Jesus is saying, I'm here. I'm here. The answer is here. And I dare say that even while he is, is going in and, and they're laying the palms before him and the branches and their, their coats and whatever, and they're making a way for him to come in and they're inviting him in. They're inviting him in out of their circumstances. They're inviting him in out of the adversity of the moment. And all the time, I'm sure it's in his heart. I, I, I don't doubt that his heart was already breaking before he saw Jerusalem. But it's as though he saw the incense rising from the temple in Jerusalem. And that's like, that's the tipping point. And he begins to weep. If you'd only understood. If you'd only realized. Your relief is here. I am your relief. 
I am your peace. I give you the peace that you need. They wanted this deliverance from oppression. And Jesus came to deliver them from a much bigger problem, the problem of sin. And you can't go to him just in your adversity. You can't go to him just in your difficult moment. You can't go to him just in your your bad situation. He is not into crisis management. He is into complete deliverance and holy peace. And that's what he came to give you and I. He settled it on the cross. If you came here today just looking for an escape, if you came here today for a quick fix or a brief answer, this is not your day. I'm sorry. But I'm preaching a different Jesus and a real gospel. And that is this Jesus came to save you from your sins. He came to reconcile you to himself and to the Father. He died in order that guilt is no longer over you. He died so that 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 death angel can't claim you. But because Jesus lives, you live. Because Jesus is resurrected, you live in that same resurrection power. Understand the day, unlike maybe some of these of his day. Understand the true purpose of why he came. Live beyond the circumstances. Live beyond the situation that you are in, all right? Live out of his purpose, and that is that he came to redeem you. And I assure you that will make a difference in how you live around others. Not only did they refuse to recognize his purpose, but they also refused to accept his terms. If you'd only known in your day the things that would give you peace. That's what he's saying to them. If you'd only understood. If you understood what makes peace, what brings peace, you understood what you need. Jesus wasn't trying to trick anybody. He wasn't trying to talk in riddles. He really was trying to get them to just see, just to open their eyes and to see beyond themselves. And and I think that's one of the great tactics of the enemy is to cause you to not look too far, to just stay right here, all right? Jesus said, if you had known, if you you know the things that make for peace, you look at that word know, you need to to realize that that it's not used in the same sense of of being aware of something or or having having knowledge of something, all right? It's used in a different sense. It's used in in the same way as as, uh, Matthew uh, 7, 23, when Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. It's that that same kind of word. Now, now certainly he knows about you. You Certainly he knows 
the details about you. He's all-knowing. He knows you in that respect. But he says to those in judgment, he says, depart from me because I never knew you. In other words, I don't, I don't approve of you. I don't approve of your life. I don't, I don't agree. We don't, we don't line up, you and I. We don't, we don't walk the same path, you and I. I've never known you because you haven't walked with me. You haven't been yoked with me. I'm going to preach you a sermon down the road here about being yoked with Jesus. Uh, we're going to talk about the parables after Easter. We're going to be talking about a lot of the, the teachings of Jesus. All right, We're going to talk about those things like being yoked. But here's what I want to say to you this morning as we close out here. This, this word here of no is like that of judgment. I never knew you. We, I, don't, I don't approve of you. What, what, what did he mean by that? Here's what I think he meant by that. I'm bringing you peace, but I'm bringing it on my terms. And you want peace on your terms. You've already decided how peace should come. You've already decided how it should go. You want to tell me how to bring you peace. Aren't we like that? Isn't that in us as humans to say, okay, God, here's my plan. Just come along with me. Cooperate with me. When my children were growing up, we would be doing something together, and my children would look at me, and they would say, no, Dad, no, that's not the way, as if they knew the way. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my. And I remember my oldest son, who's now a Marine, they say the Marines shape you up. I think they do. I'm not sure yet. But, but he's trying. He sent me a little thing on Facebook the other day and said, talked about me being his hero and being his dad. Made my day. It was wonderful. But it, I, I sent him something back and said something nice. Then I called him and said something not quite as nice. <laughs> I didn't want it on Facebook. But I said, it was a long road, buddy. It was a long road. He's like, Dad, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but he would look at me. Of all three of our children, he was the worst in this respect that he would look at me and say, no, I want to do it this way. And we are that way as children of God oftentimes. I don't know that it's necessarily intentional, but we, we want our terms, not God's terms. And Jesus is coming as the Son of God. And He is about to redeem the entire world, all of humanity, by, by the most horrible of deaths. He's going to go through this unbelievable uh, suffering and humiliation. And He's saying, I am coming in peace. And you need this peace. And they're saying, yes, but on our terms, we want a king now. We want you to beat up the Roman government. We want you to destroy it. We want you to set us up. We want everything to be great. 
and we will continue to be religious. We'll burn our incense and we'll say our prayers and we'll do our fast. And we'll call it good. Listen, there is nothing in Jesus that can agree with that. I only do what the Father has told me to do. I only say what the Father has told me to say. I am the Lamb, spotless, without blemish. What he is saying is, I am your Passover. Come to me. Come to me. And I am saying to you today, let's prepare our hearts. Let's move away from our own circumstances. Let's understand the purpose for which he came. And now let's come to him on his terms. And the only way you can come to him is to repent of your sins and to follow him and obey him. Stand with me, please. Those on the prayer team, will you come forward, please? I want to speak to a few of you first. I don't know who you are. But I know this. I feel the Spirit of the Lord. And I feel Him calling today to us. And if you are here today and you don't know this Jesus as your personal Savior, today is the day for you to come to Him. On His terms. Come to Him. Not out of your circumstances and situation, but out of the reality that He is the Savior who brings peace. Come to Him and let Him fill you with His Spirit and with His power today. Come to Him. If you've, if you've not made that kind of commitment, today's the perfect day to do it. Get ready to celebrate Easter with us next Sunday in Christ. So if you don't know Him that way, you've not made that commitment, please come talk to one of these here who will pray with you and help you pray that prayer and accept Jesus as your Savior. If you know him but you're saying, Pastor, I've been in that place. I've been demanding my own terms. I haven't been living faithful to God. I haven't been where I needed to be and, and I've tried to just get him to manage my crisis over and over and I don't know that peace, and I don't have that peace today. I, wanna, I want to get that back. I want, I want that relationship restored between me and the Father. Then you come, and someone will pray with you, and they will help you. And maybe today you're just one of those people who says, you know what, it's just been really dull for a long time. It's been really dry. Mine's been a desert experience. And I just, I want this Easter to know him in some wonderfully beautiful encounter. Would you just pray with me and, and agree with me for that moment, for me, this, this holiday, this holy, holy week? Someone will pray with you. Bow your heads. God, we love you. We're so grateful. Would you speak to hearts right now? Holy Spirit, would you just come?
I don't do this very often, but I just believe that the Lord wants to re re recalibrate somebody's marriage. He wants to help somebody get their marriage, like, re like, like get you back close to each other, like you drifted apart. He wants to get you back to each other. And so I hope that you will let God do that today. Though just, I just feel like I need to say that, that there's someone here that you need, you need that. And, and the one other thing that God really spoke to my heart is, 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 I think it was God speaking to my heart, is that there's someone here and you, you've really had a difficult time adjusting lately to, just to the things in your life, just really adjusting and, and trusting God and relying on God for his peace. And I think God wants to really give you that peace today and help you with that So, uh, for what it's worth. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to bring whatever each person in this room needs today to them. I ask you, God, that you would move in powerful ways in our lives and prepare every person in this room today for an encounter with you. Help us to be ready for Holy Week, God. Change our hearts, God. Search us and, and, and cleanse us and, and, and get us ready, God, to encounter you in this week ahead, Lord. Do amazing things throughout this week, Father. Be glorified in our lives, God. We ask you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, if you need to go, you're dismissed to go. You can fellowship in the activity room. Otherwise, you can sit and pray or you can find someone to pray with you. God bless you. We love being your pastors. <laughs>